Okay, we are going through John chapter by chapter and verse by verse. So if you could rise for the reading of God's word, we are in John chapter 5 and we are going to be reading 16, John 16 through 29. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Anyone need a Bible? If you do, raise your hand. Bible, we have a Bible up here. Keep them, keep those, keep them hands raised. All right, okay, another one in the back over there. The book of John. Verse 16, for this reason, and we'll be talking about the reason, in our message this morning, John chapter 5, verse 16. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because He not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. That all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray 
Lord, for a work to be done in our lives, Lord. Father, so many voices trying to tell us about the God they have fashioned in their own image. But here's your word. It's a love letter to us. It's describing so clearly who you are and what you have for us, including a way of salvation. Show us the way of salvation this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Amen. So John chapter 5, let us remember where we have been in this chapter. Jesus in Jerusalem. He is in a certain part of Jerusalem called Bethesda, where there's a pool of water. Surrounding the pool of water, verse 3 of this chapter says, there was a great multitude of blind, lame, and paralyzed around the pool, wanting to be healed by the waters of the pool. There was a man among this great multitude who had been sick 38 years. Actually, he was lame. He couldn't walk. Verse 6 of this chapter, chapter 5 of John says, Jesus saw him lying there. And it says he knew already that he had been in that condition a long time. Whatever condition you are in this morning, good, bad, or ugly, Jesus knows exactly, exactly that place that you are in. He also knows exactly how long you've been in that place. But here in John chapter 5, Jesus sees the man lying there. He knew he had been there a long time, and he asked him, do you want to be made well? Now, instead of answering whether he wanted to be made well, he does what you and I often do so often. He answered not whether he wanted to be made well, but why he could not be made well. He says in verse 7, I have no one to put me in the water. And every time I try to get in the water, someone else gets in before me. We do the same thing. I have this sin that I'm involved in, this habitual sin, this addiction, this bondage, this this, uh, bad marriage. But there is just so much pain and sorrow in my life. I I I can't help but be in it. We say, we we tell the Lord, why we can't be healed instead of just responding to his word. How did Jesus respond? He responded with grace, as he does so often with us. And we go excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse as to why our life will never be any different. He just comes back, he comes back, and he comes back. And in verse 9, rather verse 8, he just says to this man, rise up, take your bed, and walk. And verse 9 says, immediately the man was made well, he took up his bed and walked. God's calling you 
Do the same thing this morning with whatever mental, emotional, spiritual place or condition you're in. Rise up, take your bed, and walk with him. Does the Lord still work physical healings like he did in this chapter? He does. From time to time. But always he's working to bring mental, emotional, spiritual wholeness in the life of the believer. And that means you, you who have received Jesus Christ into your life. He wants you mentally, emotionally, spiritually whole by and through a relationship with him. No other way to get it. So after Jesus heals this man who had been lame, unable to walk for 38 years, verse 16 says, the Jews persecuted him. The Jews, they, they, they were attacking him. At this point, not physically, but they began to attack him. Verse 16 says, and they sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Verse 17 says, but Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because not only did he break the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly I say to you, The son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, meaning the father does, whatever the father does, the the son also does in like manner. The son can do nothing of himself, Jesus says, But whatever the father does, the son does in like manner. Now, what was the father doing? What was God the father doing that God the son saw and therefore did the same thing? What was God the father doing? God the father was tearing down an enormous religious system that had been created by man which was preventing, which was blocking man and woman from having a simple love relationship with him, God. Jesus saw God the Father tearing down that religious system, dismantling it, taking it apart, replacing it, so he did the same thing. He's just doing what the father did. This is what we have already seen in the book of John, right? In John chapter 2, Jesus comes to the Passover feast in Jerusalem uh, where there are, uh, had been men selling oxen and sheep and doves to men and women who had come from all over the world to worship God for the purpose of having a simple love relationship with God. The Jewish, the Hebrew Old Testament provided prior to Christ as a foreshadowing 
of Christ, a, a, a man or woman, um, or even really a child, could offer up a lamb, a sheep, at the Passover feast, and offer it to God and, and, and in remembrance of what God had done for them. Taking away their, their sin and delivering them. And, and just to worship. It was a foreshadowing of the cross, just to worship. Jesus comes into the temple, sees all of this going on. He sees uh, 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 men charging prices for those sheep which were so high. It was just ruining the whole experience for everyone, particularly, most importantly, for God. It's ruining the experience for God. God loves when you come in here on Sunday morning and you're able to just throw aside all the gunk that's in your heart and in your soul and in your mind he loves the experience of just you enjoying him. He loves that. But these men at the Passover feast were just ruining the experience with God. They were charging these people uh, such high prices. Jesus comes in, sees all that. John chapter 2 says he made a whip and he just drove out the sellers, the men, and all their animals out of the temple. They had turned a house of prayer into a den of thieves. Jesus was just doing what he had already seen the Father doing. The Father had st- already started breaking down, dismantling, tearing apart this religious system that was getting in between him and the people he loved. Getting in the way of that very simple love relationship between God and man. Now, there was something else that Jesus, the Son, saw God the Father tearing down, breaking down, dismantling, picking apart, replacing. It was a religious system that had been built up and had hopelessly complicated the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day, more or less to the Jews, which Sunday is for us. It was for the Jews a day set apart to worship God. Exodus chapter 16 says this about the Sabbath. This is the New Living Translation. I love this. The Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That's what the Sabbath was. Scholars believe that the Jews in Egypt... Work seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. The Sabbath was given as a gift to them after they were rescued from um, Egypt to enjoy, to worship, to seek after God, to, to receive from God, to give back to God. And, and, and in, in order for that to happen, in order for them to, um, to seek God, to worship God, to, to receive, to give back to God, it was a day of rest. only makes sense, right? Man was to stop all his work. So the fourth commandment, Exodus chapter 20, verse 10, God told Israel, the seventh day is your Sabbath. You shall do no work. Now, how can I be worshiping God, seeking God, drawing close to God if I'm working? 
not easy. Sabbath day given as a gift in a way that the Lord's Day Sunday has been given to us as a gift to seek the Lord. But here's what happened. Though God gave this day as a gift to Israel, the seventh day is your Sabbath and you shall do no work. God gave them that commandment to protect that gift. Jewish religious leaders took what was took what was meant to be a wonderful gift and turned it into a terrible burden for the people and ruined the experience for everyone, most importantly, ruining the experience for God himself, who loves to be with the people of God when they're worshiping. How did they ruin this wonderful gift. They did it by taking that phrase, you shall do no work, and turning it into 600 regulation. What does that mean, you shall do no work? Well, God didn't tell us we better help God out. Never a good idea to help God out. Don't add to his word. We're doing as much today as they did 2,000 years ago. But they came up with this incredibly complicated religious system around the Sabbath day of what constituted work. And one of the things that constituted work was a doctor doing the work of healing. So again, verse 19 of John chapter Five, Jesus had just healed this man. He healed him on the Sabbath. They sought to kill him. Jesus is telling them, let me just tell you what's going on. This is what he's telling them. Uh, Verse 19, he says, Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son also does in like manner. The father was tearing down, he was dismantling, breaking down, taking apart, replacing this whole religious system around the Sabbath, a day that was given as a gift by God to man, but was now getting in the way of that simple love relationship between God and man. So Jesus, seeing the father do that, he deliberately looks. You you see throughout the New Testament, the Gospels, Jesus actually going out of his way for opportunities to violate their man-made regulations of the Sabbath. Example, Mark chapter 2, verse 23 says this, now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And so on the Sabbath, uh, one day, uh, disciples are hungry, and uh, he's got to understand, he's doing this on purpose. He's, he's going into this religious system, and, and he's trying to break it all up. And, and, and so he says to his disciples, hey, I know you're hungry. See all that wheat? Go for it. Chow down. Go for it. And he knew it was going to happen. As soon as they were doing it, the the religious leaders showed up. They're doing work on the Sabbath. They're harvesting. They're breaking these kernels of, of wheat. And what was his response to them? His response to them was this. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. 
the, the Sabbath had become, men had become a slave to the Sabbath and all the different stuff you had to do in order to go to church. All those different regulations. Those church regulations that had, were getting in between the way of man and God. And, and Jesus saw the Father tearing down that religious system. He's doing the same thing. And this is what chapter 5 is about. Again, the Sabbath day. A man, lame for 38 years. Jesus chose that day to healing to heal him, rather, knowing full well what the response of the religious authorities would be. So he goes to the man, rise up, take up your bed and walk. And the man rises up, takes up his bed and walks. And again, it says that they sought to kill him because of that. This is who God the Father is. He's a good, good Father. He is a good, good Father. And, and, and I know there's some of you in here today and you've been resisting God. Why? Because of religion that you have seen over the years that has hurt you. Religious leaders, pastors, priests, whoever. And, and, and we go out um, on the streets on, on Saturday nights during the summer, incidentally evangelism training, first night of training in a six-week training session. I personally am teaching it. starts this Saturday. Sign up is in the back. Pray about it. But when we go out on the streets, so often we hear, we tell people about Jesus Christ and we hear, but this priest did this, this pastor did this, this leader is a hypocrite, this person did this kind of damage and they required this, they required this. Listen, you have a good, good father and he is tearing all that down. Don't think he don't think he doesn't have an issue with it. They're ruining the experience for him more than they have ruined it for you. He's a good, good father. And he will tear down an entire, in fact, a gigantic religious system just to get at you. He will do that. He will do that. And, and Jesus is just seeing what his good, good father is doing, and he's doing the same thing. He's a good, good father. Now, I just want to let that sink in. And to try to help us with 
that just sinking in. I'm just I'm going to call Ritu up here. I don't usually do this in the middle of a message, but I'm going to sing. We're going to sing a song. Good, good Father. And I want you to worship. And I, I just want you to let it sink in. I heard a, I heard a message this week of a man in the, in, in the 1980s, very well-known evangelist, brought many, many people to a wonderful saving relationship with the Lord. Thousands. He came from an extremely troubled background. And while he was bringing thousands to the Lord, he was a married man, he got involved in relationships, homosexual relationships with men, contracted AIDS, and on his deathbed, a Calvary Chapel pastor just couldn't understand, how does this happen? How did this happen? And he asked him, how did this happen? And he said, you know, I never knew the love of the Father, that he's a good, good Father. I had no Father. And I substituted the father that was in the Bible for my own father. I didn't know he loved me. But ever since contracting this illness, I have discovered he's a good father. And he loves me. He's a good, good father. So let's, let, let's just worship the Lord now. And let's let this all sink in. He's a good, good father.
So God brought you here this morning so you will understand that you have a good, good father. Sometimes he needs to bring us to an awfully low place to understand that. But as we're reading through John chapter 5, about what this good, good father did. He, he tore down this enormous religious system so, so he could get at you and have that simple love relationship with you. What else did he do? His good, good father. Well, one of the most famous verses, probably the most famous verse of the Bible, for God, God the Father, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So what did he do? He gave, he gave his son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He gave his son, number one, and number two, he gave life through his son. So in verse 21, if we continue in John chapter 5, with John chapter 3.16, so those verses resonating in our minds and our soul, it says, verse 21, for as the Father, this is Jesus speaking, raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. So just as the Father gives life, Jesus sees what the Father's doing. He's dismantling a religious system. He's doing the same thing. His Father gives life, and Jesus does the same thing. Verse 22 says, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, hear, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Jesus sees the Father. He's the author of life. And now Jesus has been given the role, the responsibility, the authority now to give that life. So that is what he does. Jesus said, I came, the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost, to give life. Then at the end of verse 24, it says, and shall not come into judgment, but pass from death to Life. Jesus gives life. John chapter 10, verse 10. This is Jesus speaking. I have come that they may have life. 
to give them life, to replace this religious system with a life, my life, my person, and that they may have life more abundantly. Then he says, this well-known verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is doing what he saw the Father had done, giving life. He he came to give life. He came to give you life. He came to give you the uh, abundant life. Now listen to this. Read with me verse 25. It says this, Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live life. Verse 26, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Verse 28, do not marvel at this. Do not be astonished. Don't be shocked that I'm saying this. For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice, meaning the Son of Man's voice, meaning Jesus' voice, and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. Those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Speaking here of a future judgment where it says, the Son of Man, Jesus, will call forth by his voice everyone who has ever died. And they will come out of the grave. Some to the resurrection of life. Others to the resurrection of condemnation. It's a sobering thought. But listen, your good, good father, the good, good father, has given you his son. And I plead with you this morning, I beg you, do not sin against the goodness of God by rejecting his son. Don't do that. There is no sin that cannot be forgiven, the Bible says, other than the one sin of rejecting that gift that the good, good Father has given you, the gift of his son. God is holy. God is just. And there is judgment for that sin. And the same one, Jesus says, who is responsible for giving life is also responsible, verse 27, for executing judgment on that last day. And he will call 
forth with his voice. And it says, everybody in here, you will hear his voice. Some of you will respond by going to the resurrection of life. Others to the resurrection of condemnation. And this is an eternal judgment. And, the, and, and, and this is the son, the gift of the good, good father here speaking to you, the one that we just worshiped. Whatever you do, don't leave here this morning without accepting this gift. Interesting that God gave the Sabbath day as a gift to Israel after they had left Egypt He gave it to them as a gift for them to enjoy him, for them to love him, for them to worship him. Oh, how much more so he's given his son as a gift. For you now through him to worship him, the good, good father. Perhaps you don't understand the good father, the good, good father. Perhaps those words that we just sang rang hollow. They just bounced off your heart. Could it be because you don't have the son? Because the Bible says you can only enjoy the father through the son. Jesus said in John 14, 6, no man, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man or woman gets to the father but through me. He's the gift that the Father gave, the one through whom we go to the Father. So I'm going to call the worship team up now, and we're just going to worship the Lord. We're going to continue worshiping. Already started. We'll continue. If you've been asked to pray, come up as well. We have prayer partners up here. If you have never received the gift of his son. Now, what does that mean, receiving the gift of his son? Well, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it simply means receiving him into your life. Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He's ascended to, into heaven, and now he will come into your life by the Spirit of God, and he will occupy. He will possess. And all it takes is Asking him, all it takes is saying to the Lord, okay, I am going to get off this throne that's in my heart that I've been sitting in my whole life, king of my own life, and I'm going to let you, Jesus, be king. Come on in. John chapter 1, verse 12, to as many who received Jesus. To as many who believed in his name, he gave them the right to be called sons and daughters of God. If you've never done that, please come up. I'll be here. I can pray with you. Or look, if there's anything else, if you do not yet know God as your good, good Father, perhaps you're like that evangelist. You're gifted. You have a calling on your life. But man, is there a stumbling block in your life? You don't understand the love of the Father. Come up. Let's pray about it. Why don't you stand and worship? Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to. Uh, I'm gonna pray a closing prayer, and then um, and then we'll worship in this song. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for 
I pray for this time of worship, Lord, that, Father, we would do business with you, that I would do business with you, that we'd all do business with you. You're our good, good Father. And how in various and diverse ways, even this week, we have we've pushed away the sun. We've pushed away the gift of your son. We may have received him in our life before, but we've pushed him away. We've pushed away the gift. We've turned the Sabbath, a gift, into a thousand regulations and just forgot that it's a simple love relationship with your son, Lord. Just pray as we close out the service, Lord. By your grace. Lead us in the way of that simple relationship. In Jesus' name, amen.